Chapter Four of Ronicky Doone. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Rowdy Delaney, Idaho, USA. Ronicky Doone by Max Brand. Chapter Four. His victim's trouble. Yet he could not help pondering the words of Old Harding. Bill Gregg had been a strange patient. He had never repeated his first offer to tell his story. He remained sullen and silent, with his brooding eyes fixed on the blank wall before him, and nothing could permanently cheer him. Some inward gloom seemed to possess the man. The first day after the shooting. He insisted on scrawling a painfully written letter while Ronicky propped a writing board in front of him as he lay flat on his back in the bed. But that was his only act. Thereafter, he remained silent and brooding. Perhaps it was hatred for Ronicky that was growing in him as the sense of disappointment increased. For Ronicky, after all, had kept him from reaching that girl when the train passed through Stillwater. Perhaps, for all Ronicky knew, his bullet had ruined the happiness of two lives. He shrugged that disagreeable thought away, and reaching the hotel, he went straight up to the room of the sick man. "Bill," he said gently, "have you been spending all your time hating me? Is that what keeps you thin and glum? Is it because you sit here all day blaming me for the things that have happened to you?" The dark face flushed, and the uneasy flicker of Greg's glance. Gave sufficient answer. Ronicky Doone sighed and shook his head, but not in anger. "You don't have to talk," he said. "I see that I'm right, and I don't blame you, Bill, because maybe I've spoiled things pretty generally for you." At first, the silence of Bill Gregg admitted that he felt the same way about the matter. Yet he finally said aloud, "I don't blame you. Maybe you thought I was a hoss thief, but the thing is done, Ronicky, and it can never be undone." Greg said, "Ronicky, do you know what you're going to do now?" "I don't know. You're going to sit there and roll a cigarette and tell me the whole yarn. You ain't through with this little chase, not if I have to drag you along with me. But first, just figure that I'm your older brother or something like that, and get rid of the whole yarn. Got to have the ore specimens before you can assay 'em. Besides, it'll help a pile to get the poison out of your system." If you feel like cussing me hearty when the time comes, go ahead and cuss. But I got to hear that story. Maybe it would help," said Greg. "But it's a fool story to tell. Leave that to me to say whether it's a fool story or not. You start talking." Greg shifted himself to a more comfortable position, as is the immemorial custom of storytellers, and his glance misted a little with the flood of recollections. Started along back about a year ago," he said. I was up to the Sullivan Mountains working a claim. There wasn't much to it—just enough to keep me going, sort of comfortable. I pegged away at it pretty steady, leading a lonely life and hoping every day I'd cut my way down to a good lead. Well, the fine ore never showed up. Meanwhile, I got pretty weary of the same mountains staring me in the face all the time. I didn't even have a dog with me for conversation, so I got to thinking. Thinking is a bad thing, mostly. Don't you agree, Ronicky? It sure is," replied Ronicky instantly. "Not a bit of doubt about it. It starts you doubting things," went on Greg bitterly, "and pretty soon you're even doubting yourself. 
Here he cast an envious glance at the smooth brow of his companion. But I guess that never happened to you, Ronicky. You'd be surprised if I told you, said Ronicky. Well, went on Bill Gregg, I got so darn tired of my own thoughts and of myself that I decided something ought to be done, something to give me new things to think about. So I sat down and went over the whole deal. I had to get new ideas. Then I thought of what a gent told me once. He'd got pretty interested in mining and figured he wanted to know all about how the fancy things was done. So he sent off to some correspondence schools. Well, they're a great bunch. They say, write us a lot of letters and ask us your questions. Before you're through, you'll know something you want to know. See? I see. I didn't have anything special I wanted to learn, except how to use myself for company when I got tired of solitaire. So I sat down and wrote this here correspondence school and says, I want to do something interesting. How do you figure that I had better begin? And what do you think they answered back? I don't know, said Ronicky, his interest steadily increasing. Well, sir, the first thing they wrote back was, We have your letter, and we think in the first place you had better learn how to write. That was a queer answer, wasn't it? It sure was, Ronicky swallowed a smile. Every time I looked at that letter, it sure made me plumb mad. And I looked at it a hundred times a day, and come near to tearing it up every time. But I didn't, continued Bill. Why not? Because it was a woman that wrote it. I told by the hand after a while. A woman? Go on, Bill. This story sure sounds different than most. It ain't even started to get different yet, said Bill gloomily. Well, that letter made me so plumb mad that I sat down and wrote everything I could think of that a gent would write to a girl to let her know what he thought about her. And what do you think happened? She wrote you back the prettiest letter you ever seen, suggested Ronicky, saying how she'd never meant to make you mad, and that if you. Say, broke in Bill Gregg, did I show that letter to you? Nope, I was just guessing at what a woman would do. You see? No, I don't. I could never figure them as close as that. Anyway, that's the thing she done right enough. She writes me a letter that was smooth as oil, and suggests that I go on with the composition course to learn how to write. Gonna have you do books, Bill? I ain't a plum fool, Ronicky. But I thought it wouldn't do no harm to unlimber my pen and fire out a few words a day. So I done it. I started writing what they told me to write about, the things that was around me. With a lot of lessons about how you can't use the same word twice on one page, and how terrible bad it is to use passive verbs. What's a passive verb, Bill? I didn't figure that out exactly. However, it seems like there's something that slows you up the way a muddy road slows up a hoss. And then she began talking about the mountains, and then began asking about you, suggested Ronicky with a grin. Confound you, said Bill Gregg. How come you guessed that? I don't know. I just sort of scented what was coming. Well, anyways, that's what she done. And pretty soon she sent me a snapshot of herself. Well, let me see it, said Ronicky Doone calmly. I don't know just where it is, maybe, replied Bill Gregg. I'll tell you. It's around your neck, in that nugget locket you wear there. For a moment, Bill Gregg hated the other with his eyes. And then he submitted with a sheepish grin, took off the locket, which was made of one big nugget rudely beaten into shape, and opened it for the benefit of Ronicky Doone.
it showed the latter not a beautiful face, but a pretty one, with a touch of honesty and pride that made her charming. Well, as soon as I got that picture, said Bill Gregg, as he took the locket back, I got excited. Looked to me like the girl was made for me. A lot finer than I could ever be, you see, but simple. No frills, no raven beauty, maybe, but darn easy to look at. First thing I done, I went in and got a copy of my face made, and rushed it back to her, and then he stopped dolefully. What do you think, Ronicky? I don't know, said Ronicky. What happened then? Nothing. Not a thing. Not a word came back from her to answer that letter I'd sent along. Maybe you didn't look rich enough to suit her, Bill. I thought that, and I thought it was my ugly face that might have made her change her mind. I thought of pretty near everything else that was bad about me, and that she might read into my face. Sure made me sick for a long time. Somebody else was correct in my lessons, and that made me sicker than ever. So I sat down and wrote a letter to the head of the school, and told him I'd like the address of that first girl. You see, I didn't even know her name. But I didn't get no answer. Ronicky groaned. It don't look like the best detective in the world could help you find a girl when you don't know her name, he added gently, but maybe she don't want you to find her. I thought that for a long time. Then, a while back, I got a letter from San Francisco saying she was coming on the train through these parts, and could I be in Stillwater because the train stopped there a couple of minutes. Most like, she thought Stillwater was just sort of across the street from me. Matter of fact, I jumped on a hoss, and it took me three days of breaking my neck to get near Stillwater, and then he stopped and cast a gloomy look on his companion. I know, said Ronicky. Then I come and spoiled the whole party. Sure makes me sick to think about it. And she's plumb gone, muttered Bill Gregg. I thought maybe the reason I didn't have her correct in my lessons any more was because she had to leave the schools and go west. So right after I got this drilling through my leg, You remember, I wrote a letter. Sure. It was to her at the schools, but I didn't get no answer. I guess she didn't go back there after all. She's plumb gone, Ronicky. The other was silent for a moment. How much would you give to find her? he asked suddenly. Half my life, said Bill Gregg solemnly. Then, said Ronicky, we'll make a try at it. I got an idea how we can start on the trail. I'm going to go with you, partner. I've messed up considerable, this little game of yours. Now I'm going to do what I can to straighten it out. Sometimes two are better than one. Anyway, I'm going to stick with you till you found her or lost her for good, you see? Bill Gregg sighed. You're pretty straight, Ronicky, he said. But what good does it do for two gents to look for a needle in a haystack? How could we start to hit the trail? This way. We know the train that she took. Maybe we could find a Pullman conductor that was on it. And he might remember her. They got good memories, some of them gents. We'll start to find him, which it ought to be pretty easy. Ronicky, I'd a never thought of that in a million years. It ain't thinking we want now, it's actin'. When can you start with me? I'll be fit tomorrow. Then tomorrow we start. End of chapter 4